Welcome to Political Traction. I'm normally your host, Amanda Galbraith, but I'm on vacation this week, so you don't get me, you get something better. It's the premiere of a very special project from my Navigator colleagues out West. The Western Edge is a new podcast that's going to take a fresh look at the economic resurgence and revitalization of Western Canada. Hosted by Jason Hatcher, this week you'll get to listen to the premiere episode with none other than Calgary Mayor Nahid Nenshi. You don't want to miss it. Then I'll be back next week with the season finale. Yes, it's actually finale time. We've been through a whole season together. And it's going to be a very special year end with the scrum. It's a rate your political scandals kind of show. So if you have an idea or something you want us to cover, let us know. So I'm still your host, Amanda Galbraith, and we'll definitely see you next Friday. But for now, over to you, Jason. Thanks, Amanda. I'm Jason Hatcher, Managing Principal of Navigator's Western Offices. I'm excited to welcome you today to the first episode of Western Edge, a new podcast by Navigator that is focused on developments in Western Canada. For our inaugural episode, I'm speaking today to Mayor Nahed Nenshi, Mayor of Calgary, someone who has been at the heart of Western Canadian politics and business for over a decade. Mayor Nenshi, as many of you would know, has led the city of Calgary through some truly challenging times but has always maintained a focus on positioning the city and frankly, Western Canada for the future. Elected in 2010 and re-elected both in 2013 and 17, he has seen six premiers of Alberta during his tenure and watched the seismic demographic shift in our city and in the province of Alberta, both in age and diversity, all while helping to set Calgary up for the next boom, which may or may not be driven so much solely by energy. You've heard it before, the West wants in. This is the Western Edge. Mayor Nenshi, welcome to the Western Edge. Well, thanks so much, Jason. A real pleasure to be here. Boy, that guy you were describing sounds very impressive. I'd like to meet him sometime. <laughs> well, let's let's dive into that then. You know, uh, Mayor Nenshi, in September 2010, if I can take you back a little bit, one month, one month before Election Day, a poll came out showing you at a, a massive 8% overall, a very distant third, and look where we are today, three terms later. What do you remember most about that time right before the election? And did you really expect to win? Well, so, I mean, I've talked about this before, and no one really believed me, but I will tell you the truth, which is... The Calgary Sun columnist wrote a piece the day after that poll came out saying, why does he look so happy talking about me? Because we had created a political strategy uh, earlier in that year. And everyone kind of thought, uh, you know, Mayor Nenshi sort of accidentally the mayor, right? But uh, we did know a little bit about politics. And I am, by training, a strategist. And we had created a strategy earlier in the year of how do you take sort of a nerdy, not particularly charismatic professor who nobody knows their name, uh, running against all these really well-known people, oh, by the way, who doesn't have any money to actually win a campaign. And so that was always the goal. The goal wasn't to be in the campaign so people could kind of pat me on the head and say, thank you for elevating the level of debate in this campaign. 
Thank you for bringing diversity to our discussions. That was to win. I wasn't going to waste all my time and other people's money uh, without winning. And so the strategy actually involved being in a clear third place at the beginning of September. Really? That was actually very important because it was a really crowded field. There were, uh, I think, 23 or 27 people running, including three or four members of city council, former members of city council, corporate executives, members of the legislative assembly, and the anchor of the six o'clock news. Yeah, there's a lot of high profile candidates. You're right. And so our goal was to make sure we were in a solid third place. So the idea was that the other 21 candidates didn't matter anymore. There were only three that the media would focus on. The other two would be infighting amongst one another and we would swing up the middle as people started paying attention to our ideas and what we had to say and win the election. And that's exactly what happened. So that day that poll came out, I was like, thank you. We are where we need to be. Because remember my previous polls, had me at somewhere between zero and one percent. Uh, and so, and the other interesting thing about that poll, just if we're getting all political about it, is that my conversion rate was extraordinarily high. So something like 10% of people knew who I was and 8% of them were going to vote for me. So 80% of the people who knew who I was were going to actually vote for me. And we knew that that was something we could build on as well. Well, you know, that uh, lots of people talk about coming up the middle as a political strategy. It's much harder to actually execute in practice. So uh, that was a really, really uh, well-executed campaign. Mayor, you've been, been taking Calgary to the world, to, to the country and to the world. But, you know, when people across Canada think of Calgary, when they're listening in here today, let's be honest, they, they, likely the first two things that come to mind are oil and, and cowboys. And look, these things are, of course, of important. They're part of our, our history. They're a part of our economy. But there's so much more to Calgary. What comes yeah, to I mind like to when think, you think of Calgary? I like to think that um, maybe I've had a little bit to do with changing that perception uh, over the course of the last 11 years or so. Um, and it is true. And it's not just part of our heritage. It's part of our future. And, you know, here's the big secret, folks, which is every man looks good in a cowboy hat. That's why we wear them during the stampede. <laughs> but... Of course, the city is about much more than that. And ultimately, we are, like many cities, a modern and diverse place. One in three Calgarians now is not white. We have people who have come from every corner of the world to enjoy a city with extraordinary quality of life. This year, well, before the pandemic, The Economist once again named Calgary the best city in the entire Western Hemisphere in which to live. Um, the, you know, not the fifth best in the world. And those are, those are not easy things to do if you were just a frozen cowboy place in the middle of the Canadian prairie. Uh, and so there are enormous uh, opportunities here, but the thing that really sets Calgary apart as, as a place in the West is that although our history here is very ancient, although there have been people on this land for many thousands of years, our history is not characterized by our history. So in other words, as I've often said, Calgary is a place where nobody cares where you went to school or who your daddy was or what your last name is. We care about what you bring to the table. Do you have good ideas? Are you willing to work hard to make those ideas real? And that sense of entrepreneurship, of innovation has always driven this place. And to me, that's what's pretty exciting. You know, when I was first elected, 
now things have changed radically since then and and we've got a lot of work to do on anti-racism together as a community but when i was first elected you know the day after i was elected i found myself extremely famous you know i was on cnn and time magazine and al jazeera and nobody wanted to know about my brilliant campaign or what i thought about public transit right what they wanted to know about not even was the color of my skin it was all about my faith And what was fascinating at that time is that during that election, and you'll remember, Jason, nobody ever talked about it. It wasn't didn't a thing. No. Um, it didn't come up hardly at all. Twice, in fact, in that whole long campaign. And both times up and down very quickly. And that, too, was Calgary. You know, it's not that we're not insular. Parts of Canada can be a little insular. But people just saw me as a kid from Northeast Calgary who had some interesting ideas. And to me, that's what continues to be exciting about this place. You know, our, our slogan is be part of the energy. But that doesn't mean just part of the energy sector. It means being part of that electricity in the air that anything is possible, that deals get done, that we can do cool things here. And I often say that it's because of the sky, because we sit under this endless, endless vista of never-ending blue sky. And if the sky's that big, your dream's got to be that big, too. Well, you know, it, it, I was I was smiling when you you talked about you know the attraction to coming to Calgary. It doesn't matter what your last name is if you wear roll up your sleeves and work hard. That's what convinced my, myself and my partner to come to Calgary uh, almost 20 years ago, and and I think it's, it still remains true today. You know that diversity, the youth that that, that our, our our city has. You know, it leads to renewed culture. It leads to renewed economy. There's been so much discussion about diversification of Calgary and the Alberta economies. What does diversification mean to you economically? Well, you know, when I graduated from university in 1993, don't do the math. I was a child prodigy. I was only six. You and me both. (laughs) Oil and gas accounted for about 50% of Calgary's GDP. Right. In 2015, uh, just before the economic downturn, it was down to about 30%. And of course, it's shrunk since then. So it went from 50 to 30, it's probably somewhere between 20 and 25 now. So we've been diversifying all over the place without anybody really noticing. Like any major global city, we've been working hard on figuring out new ways of building our economy for the future. And so we've got this uh, economic development strategy, which has a very creative name. No, it doesn't. It's called Calgary and the New Economy. And I get paid, in and out burger uh, on Silicon Valley trade missions every time I say Calgary and the new economy. Um, (laughs) But Calgary and the new economy, there you go, that's three burgers, is actually broadly built on building on strengths we already have. So it is about building in industries where we have some strength, but we need to become even more global leaders. The first one, of course, is energy and energy in all its forms conventional, non-conventional, clean, green, renewable. There is no reason that Canada shouldn't be the headquarters of the clean energy revolution of the world. And of course, if Canada actually can be that ambitious, instead of seeing climate change as something that's happening to us, but rather seeing it as an opportunity to lead the world in ending energy poverty, in bringing people clean, safe energy so that they can bring themselves up economically, So if Canada can see its way to doing that, then of course, Calgary needs to be the center of that. Well, of course, understanding that the existing energy sector is still a critical part 
of the Canadian economy and one that we can't let go. I'm going I'm to stick to that for a minute before I get back to diversification. If that's all right, Jason. You know, I think a lot of people across the country don't understand as well as I would like them to how the nation's economy works. So to be clear, even now, even in this economic downturn, even when Calgary went from having the lowest unemployment rate in Canada for many, many years to the highest, which we managed to accomplish in 18 months. So even with double-digit unemployment in Calgary, Alberta still remains by far the largest net contributor to the federal government. By far. And so even when things are bad here, this is the economic engine of the country. We lost nearly as many jobs in the energy sector since 2015, as there are jobs in Canada's auto manufacturing sector. But I don't think a lot of people outside of the West really understand that's how the economy works. Without the energy sector, you have no balance of payments. You have a federal budget that is has a giant hole in the side of it. In other words, you can't afford to provide any federal services without that sector in place. And so understanding that we got to have that sector, understanding that we have a responsibility to the citizens of the world to help them get out of energy poverty, and understanding that we've created a system where we're taking a non-renewable resource and we're selling it at a massive discount to the world price is crazy. So getting that right in terms of our energy structure is really important as we're managing the energy transition as we are figuring out how we solve energy poverty in a lower carbon world. I think it would shock almost every listener of this podcast because it would shock almost every Canadian to know that almost every major energy company in Canada has already pledged to be net zero by 2050. And so that's the first piece. Now onto the diversification part. That's diversification within the energy sector. But there's six other industries where we are strong and can be stronger. Transportation and logistics, including aerospace. Travel and tourism, which, oh, we can't wait to have people back. We can't wait to welcome you back, not just to the mountains and to the badlands, but to this amazing city and all the arts and culture and everything that happens here. Agri-food. Canada as a whole produces food for the world, but we punch far below our weight and value added. And in agri-food, we got to feed 7 billion people in this world. There will always be demand. And so there's a real opportunity to build up that industry as well. The creative industries, including film. We are about to have here in Calgary the largest production in Canadian history. Our film sector is on fire. And that's because of the quality of the crews here. Here's a little stat. Calgary accounts for more Emmy, Golden Globe, and Oscar nominations than any other jurisdiction outside of the United States. And so there's a lot of exciting things going on there as well. Life sciences. We have incredible medical schools here in Alberta. We're doing cutting edge work in terms of life science. And that is work that we always need to continue. And finally, financial services. Every global investment bank in the world has a presence here in Calgary. And it's important for us to build our ability to do that. Now, you'll notice I didn't say tech. And the reason I didn't say tech is because we believe that tech is an enabler for everything else. 
So while pure tech plays are great, and if we get the next Shopify here, awesome. And we've actually had four unicorns in the last little while that are all kind of pure tech plays and we love to support them. But we also see the core of tech as helping all of these other industries do better. So just add tech to the end of all their names, FinTech, Agritech, and so on. We have a $20 billion opportunity over the next few years as existing industries digitize. And why should we be buying foreign solutions? We should be able to be doing that right here at home in Canada and in Calgary. You know, we it, joked at the beginning of this podcast, Jason, that you would just ask me one question and I would take up <laughs> all the time. And I promised not to do that. And clearly that wasn't true. Not at all. Not at all. It's so interesting to hear. And, and you know, it may surprise a lot of our listeners to, 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 to know the, the amount of talk and hubbub there is about making Calgary, you know, the leading ESG, environmental, sustainable and governance uh, energy producer, like that capital in the world. Uh, there's a great deal of excitement around it. And it's coming from the energy industry itself. Uh, as they they take steps to to decarbonize and fight climate change, but let's go back to that diversification piece. What steps are already in place? I know you guys have been working towards this, and and so is Calgary Economic Development. What steps are in place already? So fundamentally, uh, the work of crafting our new post-pandemic economy is based on having the right pillars. That's what we call them. It's a kind of a jargony word, but the right pillars in place, and those are talent, innovation, place, and business environment. So I'll deal with them backwards. Business environment, you know, a recent CD House study looked at the cost of doing business across uh, every major urban center in North America. Calgary came out on top, the lowest cost of doing business. So that's just not taxes. It's not just red tape and permits. It is those things, but it's also about cost of living. It's about the ability to attract and retain talent. Um, and so that business environment here couldn't be stronger anywhere. Place is about pe- creating a place that attracts people where they want to live and where they want to stay. As I mentioned, we have the highest quality of life in the world, despite sometimes cold days in the winter. A lot of sunshine, though. Um, and that's really helping us attract people from all over the world uh, to look for this life here. Talents. That's really the critical piece. And when I do business development work, when I travel, when I used to be able to travel around the world and go to CEOs' offices, that's always the question. The question is never, what's your corporate tax rate? The question is always, can I attract and retain people? And one of the really powerful things about Canada generally, but Calgary in particular, is how to win that war for talent. Now, Silicon Valley, for example, is such an expensive place to live. You know, you always hear about the CEO with 14 roommates. I actually met one of those. And the problem is that you can't retain staff. They'll cross the street for $5,000 because it's just too expensive to live. And so in a place that prides itself on innovation and startups, many of the people in Silicon Valley have the great desire to work for one of three companies, two advertising firms and a hardware company, Google, Facebook, and Apple. And um, yet, the cost of losing those people and bringing in new people is so high. So if you can win the war for talent, both by having the talent and having great post-secondary education, great training, and so on, but also in retaining people because the quality of life is so good, they want to stay with you and be loyal, that's a huge benefit to business. 
And then finally, the fourth one is innovation. And that's the critical one for the whole Canadian economy. And it doesn't just mean investing in research and development. It means shifting our mindset so that, as I said earlier, changes in the world are not something that happened to us, but they are opportunities for us to lead the world. And that's where we've got to get in. So I'm going to give you a pitch. I just launched the Mayor's Innovation Challenge. And that is a global competition for people around the world to come and tell us how to help us meet our net zero emissions targets here in the city of Calgary, to help us work with clean energy. And there are three categories, pre-commercialization, products that are ready to go, and policy and planning changes for government. You can get more information at calgary.ca slash mayor's challenge. And uh, applications are due June 11th. And yes, there are prizes. And the prize is really important, actually. It's not just that you'll get some grant funding. It's that we will put you with experts in the field to implement your plan, to make your idea real and to make real change for people in the world. And so if you're an innovator or a creative thinker, I can't, especially in the field of clean energy, I can't imagine why you'd want to be anywhere other than Calgary. That's great to see you still taking Calgary to the world, Mayor. Um, look, you're known to be so in touch with the community. You're in the community. Uh, you live and breathe it. What are some of the examples? What's going on out there? What are some of the examples of the successes that you've been referring to? You, you've kind of hinted at a couple. Uh, yeah, you know, tell, tell as I said, Canada, what's had, going on out there? Well, we've had four unicorns in the last 24 months, which is pretty exciting in all kinds of different areas, in financial services, in, uh, believe it or not, employee benefits, um, in life sciences. So this is, and in energy, this has been pretty exciting. Alberta's home to 3,000 technology companies, if you can believe it or not. 60% of which are in Calgary, 1,776 tech companies um, wow. here in Calgary. Not that I have that number memorized or anything. <laughs> um, and so what you're seeing is a lot of really interesting different kinds of entrepreneurship. So I'll give you one example. We have a fund at the city of Calgary called the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund, which is a little bit of a, a small venture fund hmm. where we invest in some in the ecosystem, but also in some firms around and one of our first firms we invested in was a company called Adabotics. Adabotics is a fascinating company growing massively. And as you can guess from the name, it's a robotics company. But if you were to ask Scott, who's the CEO of Adabotics, to describe his company, he wouldn't describe it as a robotics company. He would describe it as a geometry company, which I think is fascinating. So the idea is that Adabotics uses geometry and robots to figure out how you can do warehousing in one-tenth or sometimes one-fifth of the footprint of a normal warehouse. It's really cool. And in these days of e-commerce and digitization, it's incredibly wanted. So Adabotics has a very small goal. Their goal is to be the supplier of choice for every e-commerce company in the world that is not named after a river in South America. And they're practically there. You name the large retailer, they're thinking how they're either have implemented or trying to figure out how to implement antibiotics technology. But what's the coolest thing about antibiotics is that they're grown in Calgary. And Scott will tell you that the reason for his success was because we have such a highly trained technical workforce that was working in oil and gas and he was able to scoop them. And so those are kinds of the exciting things that are going on economically, but there's also incredibly exciting things going on in community development and in the social world. 
So let me tell you, in my entire life, including 11 years as politics, as a politician, the single most important thing that I've done, I did this month. And that is that Calgary pulled together Canada's very first action plan on mental health and addiction and figuring out how we are going to deal with the scourge of mental illness in our community, as well as addiction. This has more potential to make more positive change in people's lives than anything else I've ever done. And this is really the critical thing for us all. Right now, things are so grim in the world. Our COVID numbers are horrible. We don't know what a post-pandemic world is going to look like. We're doing this from home because we're locked down. Well, I always say Alberta lockdowns are not real lockdowns. Most things are open, but we're supposed to stay home anyway. And things look hard. Indeed, we're facing five simultaneous crises all at the same time. We have a public health crisis. We've got a mental health and addictions crisis. We've got an economic crisis. We've got an environmental crisis and the reality of climate change. And we're finally coming to a reckoning on what it means to be truly anti-racist. All of those at once. But I also believe that if there's anything good about this pandemic, what it's done is it's upended our expectations. So we're in a wet concrete period. We're in a period where creativity, creativity in how we think about what the future community looks like is paramount, where we have an opportunity to build something brand new, something that is more just, something that is more sustainable, financially, economically, socially, environmentally. We can't close this window. We can't focus on going back to the way things were. We can't make Calgary great again, because Calgary is great. By the way, in my last campaign, I had purple trucker hats made up that said, keep Calgary great still, and nobody let me use them. We had to hide them away. But that can't be our mindset. We can't be going back to the good old days. And yes, conspiracy theorists will go on and on about the great reset or what does build back better really mean. But once we've had a system that is so upended, why would we put it back the way it was? Why wouldn't we put it back stronger? Why wouldn't we put it back better? And so when I come back to the very first thing I said about Calgary is a place where you can bring innovative ideas and nobody's stuck in how things have always been done. That's a mindset I think we could use in the whole country. Uh, well said, Mayor. Maybe we'll just fin finish with one last question uh, here. The part perhaps that we, we don't want to change. And, and it's what struck me when I moved here nearly 20 years ago. It's the incredible philanthropic nature we have as a community. We've seen it when we helped our neighbors in Fort Mac. We've seen it when we helped each other through the flood. We've, we've given internationally and nationally. You and I have worked together in the United Way. I got co-opted really early into the United Way and it's Hotel California, I, you know, from the from the Calgary board now to the national board. Uh, talk oh, I didn't know you were on the national board. Yeah, just, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, maybe just a word on, on the philanthropic nature of Calgary to finish. You know, I'll tell you what I worry about. I worry that our political discourse and our public life has become so angry and divisive in the last few years. But then I'm reminded of what the reality is and how we look after one another. About two days into the lockdown last spring, somebody started a Facebook page that said, YYC COVID volunteers. 
40,000 people in two days. And it's still up. And people say, I need help. And people say, I'm on my way. When we think about what happened during the flood, that very simple concept of we all get along. My neighbor's strength is my strength and my neighbor's failure is my failure. That's who we are. When I think about my nieces locked up uh, during the first few weeks of COVID, what did they do? They baked 2,000 cookies and delivered them in little care packages to people they thought were feeling lonely. I only got two of those 2,000 cookies, just saying. (laughs) But ultimately, is that a Calgary thing? I don't think so. I think that's a human thing. And, you know, for 11 years, I've been talking about a concept which is very common in South Asian languages. The word is seva. It means service. And I talk about how all of us are called upon to be sevadari, people who give service. But I think sevadari doesn't just mean people who give service. It means human beings. Marion Wright Edelman once said that service is the rent we pay for humanity. And to me, that's really the critical thing. That no matter how tough things feel, no matter how grim things are, as Canadians, the promise of this place is too important. The destination of this journey, of a place that is better for everyone, is too important. And so we have to get beyond the divisiveness and the anger and the rhetoric and the partisanship that is all too often uh, an element of our society right now and get back to the humanity. And I think that that's something that Calgary can show the world. And I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And I hope that the rest of the world is right there with us. I think that's a great way to, to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Mayor Nenshi. Thank you for your service uh, since 2010 uh, as our mayor. Um, I'm hoping you'll stick around for some rapid fire questions. You've given us a lot of your time. We'll just keep you for another few minutes. Wonderful. I'm ready. Best things about Calgary, Mayor, mayor Nenshi. Favorite ice cream shop? Uh, traditional, my favorite ice cream shop. That, it's, it's my favorite ice cream shop, but that's what it's called. If you want to be a bit more hipster, Village Ice Cream. That's good. Uh, best Insta-worthy or selfie location? Oh, so many of them. Um, so many that people know, like the Peace Bridge uh, or the East Village or the Wonderland sculpture in front of the bow. I'm going to give you a totally out there one, which is the McKnight Westwind Sea Train Station near where I live which has just really cool public art. Very neat. A favorite hidden gem? Short Pants Plaza. It's not that hidden anymore because I talk about it all the time, but Short Pants Plaza is a little strip mall in Northeast Calgary that has the best of everything. The best pita bread, the best Jamaican patties, the best Indo-African fusion, the best Filipino food, the best gelato. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, C-Train or Scooter? Oh, C-Train. Uh, switching gears, municipal, federal, or provincial, where you can have the most impact? Oh, come on, really? I don't <laughs> even know what it is the federal government does. Municipal, of course. <laughs> this is probably as easy as the next question. Favorite color, Mayor Nancy? Blue. Oh, I thought no, you said purple. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course it's purple. I wear purple every single day. Um, and by the way, the reason I wear purple every day, and I laugh because 11 years later, people still go, oh, when I say why I wear purple every day. It's because it's red and blue. It's because it shows us that we are not defined by our ideology, but that we're all human beings that need to work together. Uh-huh. But the real question is, now that I'm going to be out of politics soon, can I retire the purple from my wardrobe? <laughs> 
I have an unbelievable amount of purple shirts and ties and um, multiple pairs of purple sneakers. So I might be stuck with it forever. So this is a dangerous question because you could probably talk for a while on this, but what is the one thing you want to be remembered for as mayor? Oh, I hate that question. I know, it's the worst. Um, that people keep <laughs> asking about the legacy of this place. I hope that I'm remembered by creating a more vibrant uh, political environment where people are more involved and more engaged in the future of their city. Great. And last, what are you going to do on your first day off in 11 years? Well, the first day probably will be a lot of nap. Uh, then hopefully if pandemic rules allow, there's a lot of friends that I need to go have chicken wings with um, and see how they're doing. Um, and I am told, I'm told that these last 10 years have been pretty remarkable years in the field of television arts. So I've got about 10 years of TV to catch up on. Somebody told me Game of Thrones is worth my time. That sounds great. Well, enjoy that, Mayor. You're not quite there yet. Still lots of work to do. I know you'll be, be working right till the end, but thank you for spending so much time with us today on Western Edge. Thank you so much. Take good care, everyone. Please stay safe and be committed to that promise of this extraordinary nation. There's nowhere better in the world to be. Western Edge is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high stakes public affairs firm. Our show today was produced by Kathy Moore, John Gardner, and Kim Drapek. A very special thank you goes out to the mayor of Calgary, Nahed Nenshi, for joining us today.